0: Welcome to Waymaker Church Podcast. The heart of the house is that these messages would help you to encounter, live for, and advance the kingdom of God. Enjoy this week's message. To the title of my message today, i just simply calling it this, Life Lessons from Proverbs. The last several weeks, we've been looking at uh, just uh, the wisdom of God, uh, the fear of the Lord, the call of wisdom, the excellence of wisdom. Uh, Last week, I shared with you a little bit about uh, uh, just again, as kind of a reiteration of Pastor Marcus's message uh, about the fact that wisdom is a person, right? It's the Lord in Proverbs chapter 8, where he says, I am wisdom, I have understanding. He says, By me, uh, princes rule and kings decree. And, uh, and so I was talking about the place of wisdom in our life. And, uh, and so today, uh, I just uh, want to take... I mentioned a couple things last week, but I want to take an opportunity again today um, just to look at an area that ha- for me has been a great challenge in my life. Uh, and, uh, and I would imagine that uh, knowing just our culture, that it's been a challenge for many. And um, I have a couple questions as I start. Have you ever said something that you later regretted? Let me see your hand. Like, you just wish, why did I open my mouth? I figured I was in good company this morning. Um, (laughs) Right? Maybe, maybe like rashly judging a situation or or a person without getting all the details. Anybody ever done that before? I'm gonna raise both my hands on that one. My goodness. Um, And again, right? So sometimes we have those situations in life where uh, we don't get all the details and we begin to like judge the situation rashly. You kind of, or maybe you're talking to somebody or they're talking and you've already like predetermined. Um, the thoughts that you have about the situation before they're even done talking. Anybody guilty of that as well? Ooh, For all the rest of y'all, we can go altar call at the end. No. <laughs> Just playing. Just playing. What about this Or What about blowing up in anger and lashing out verbally only to wish later that you would have stopped to think before you said anything? Have you ever done that before? Oh, man, this is like uh, this is a repentance Sunday. <laughs> what about the snarky comment to your spouse for those of you that are married? That you know will cut deeply, and you know you shouldn't say it, but you said it anyway. Anybody in? There? Oh, for the rest of y'all, how did y'all not do that for that marriage? Hold on a second. Let's have a little pre-marriage conference right now. Huh? I'm gonna need y'all to talk to me after service so you can bless my life. Um. But here's the thing: is like I can't tell you how many times I have lived out these scenarios. Uh, in my life personally, gosh, just saying the wrong things in the wrong moments, or uh, you know, just having a judgmental attitude towards certain situations or people or, or things of, of that effect. And and uh, I have this uh, thing in my life, and maybe you have it too in different seasons. But I've got this disease, and it's called foot and mouth disease. And um, you thinking you really got a disease? No, um, but it's a bad condition where your words cause you to open your mouth and stick your foot in it. And uh, anybody have had that disease before? Yeah? Okay, cool. I just wanted to see if I was the only one. I was thinking about it. But here's the thing. I remember throughout my life, as a teenager, uh, man, just constantly speaking out of terms. When I was in elementary school, maybe uh, if you guys remember, they used to like, give the, the progress reports and stuff, and when you get your report card, and it would have all those little specific areas, and one of them was uh, needs to control talking was like one of the things. And uh, now, how many of y'all remember back in the day, they would give you like an S for satisfactory or whatever. If they put an in... Oh, needs improvement. I knew I was good for a butt whooping about every six weeks when I lived in Texas because inevitably on that one line, there was gonna be an end. Like, that, I didn't care what my grades were. <laughs> like, I didn't, I, if I had A's, B's, C's, whatever. I was just like, I don't care. My dad will be kind with me on that. But I know if there was an end, like right here on this line, I'm toast. And so uh, most probably four out of the, the six uh, report cards that we would get, there would inevitably be an N on there uh, for that. But I remember even as a teenager, I, I always had this feeling where I never seemed to be able to keep quiet matters that needed to be private. Has anybody ever had that, that, that downside before? Like, I just, man, I felt like my mouth would just be like a blabber all the time. At one point, I actually remember my dad, like there was something that was going on with our family, and I just blurted it out in like this public setting, and he was just like, you need to learn how to shut your mouth. You know, and as a kid, you're like, what? You know, and he but later, like, we went home because it was, like, personal information that and now as a parent, I'm like, I would have been mortified if one of my kids would have said something like that in a public setting. But it was just one of those types of situations, and he was just like, you have got to learn. There is private information, and there is public information, And uh, but for me, it was just that... It just felt like there was always the uh, just speaking out of turn. And here's another thing, too. I didn't realize it as such at the time, but readily gossiping about just different parts of of my life and other people's lives and information that I heard. And it was just this constant rumor mill, uh, especially through school. But I also remember, too, when it came to the ear of my mouth that early on in my marriage, uh, there was the intensity and the harshness of how I spoke. Uh, It actually brought my wife to a place that she had to talk to my dad and my dad said if you can't talk to him Maybe just write him a letter so you can express how you feel Because we couldn't even have a basic conversation without me blowing up and getting defensive and cutting with my words and just responding harshly And, uh, And so it was interesting because I just I seemed at that time to have a volatile response to just about everything and then as I began to study the word, like just later on in my teen years, and especially in my early 20s, the Lord took me to the book of Proverbs, and one of the things that just really began to, to convict my life, uh, it was concerning the words of my mouth. And, uh, and so what I've learned just over time through my studies is that God cares more deeply about my speech than I realized. And I think that for all of us, we live in a culture, right, where one of our, one of our things is, is, uh, is the freedom of speech, Right? And so we live in a nation where like, we just, man, we can say whatever we want. Now, I'm thankful from a governmental structure standpoint that we're not in a communistic uh, government, although it seems to be trending that way. Uh, but uh, I think, I'm thankful that, uh, that we're not censored in every aspect on, on, on every plane of our speech, right? We still have the freedom and the ability to speak. But I wanted to take just a few moments, and obviously open my message today with just being transparent about my own life and uh, to, to remind you that we're all individuals, we're all human beings, and we all uh, have issues that we have to, to deal with. But I realize that God cares very deeply about what we have to say and the words that come out of our mouth. And so I just want to have a transparent conversation this morning uh, about what comes out of our mouth and also the power of those words. And, uh, and so here's, uh, here's a, few, a few things I want to talk to you about this morning. What do compliments, advice, insults, instructions, lies, grumbling, and truth all have in common? No, you're right. They are words, but more than that, they are all powerful types of words. When you think about words, right, compliments have great power, if you think about it, right? It changes. It does something to somebody on the inside, Right? Advice, good advice. There's also bad advice, but like say good advice. Good good advice has great power to be able to shape and change somebody's life. Right? Insults. Right? Somebody's talking trash, they're calling somebody a name, they're insulting who they are. That has great power, right? There are a lot of people who end up in counseling throughout their life. There are a lot of people who have messed up identities internally because of the things that people have said about them or because of insults that were hurled at them by parents or close friends or siblings or whatever, somebody they trusted. The same thing for instruction or lies or grumbling. All of these things have in common that they are powerful types of words. And and so what's interesting to me is especially, I was thinking about this just from a general dynamic, that words seem like such a small thing. But in reality, they have a very massive impact. And, uh, and so whether it's in the form of verbal speech or whether it's in the form of written communication, uh, it's important for us to recognize that the weight that our words carry, uh, one, that, that our words have weight that they carry, but also beyond that, the words that we speak have consequences that come with them. And that's, and that's from both sides. That's to good or to the negative. And, uh, and so it's important for us to be able to capture that. Uh, because there are things that result from that. And so the Bible actually has a lot to say uh, when it comes to words and how to handle them uh, wisely in both our heart and with our mouth. And so here's the thing that I want you to understand this morning. Words are not simply something that is vocalized through your vocal cords, right? That's just a random, you know, assortment of sounds that come out and so you can hear something. Words have power, We have to realize that God spoke the world that you and I know into existence by the word of his power. It's Hebrews 11, uh, chapter 3. Now, what you also need to recognize is, is that you are made in God's image and after his likeness. So everything that God does, he does it first by word. As he speaks the word, as he releases the word, that word carries with it a weight and a power that will actually take what he has said and he makes it an actual reality. Now, I'm saying this part, I'm not saying that you're fully God where you can speak and create worlds too. But I will tell you this, that the words that you speak are creating your world that's around you. And I think it's important for us to understand that because words have power. Now, the cool thing in all of that is, is that the words that you speak, you have the ability to produce life. You can produce good things. Now, I'm not just talking about a name it and claim it. I'm not just talking about... um, you know, just a, what is the thing right now? They call it manifesting. So dumb. Sorry, y'all. Like, they're, here's the thing. They're trying to grasp spiritual realities from a natural standpoint. They are getting onto the fact. They're beginning to understand that, like, by, by speaking the power of your words, they're realizing that you receive things. Uh, but they're going about it in a way that's devoid of God and it's, and it's foolishness. And uh, But here's the thing is there is great power in your words that when you speak, things can be created, right? When you think about the life of a child, if you speak good things over them consistently, what are you going to find out? They're going to believe what you say. They're going to become what you say. They're going to begin to look at themselves from the framework that you're speaking over them. That's why it's our, that's why it's our responsibility as parents that we have to be very mindful and grandparents at that because you get a redo. Um, or you get to have the additional blessing of, of, of more. But there's an investment in the lives of people. So when you're speaking and you speak good over them, you speak favor over them, you speak blessing over them. Gosh, like there's something powerful that comes as a result of that. But likewise, if it's the opposite of that, and if we're speaking curses over their life, you're never going to amount to anything. You're just stupid. And nobody can stand you. You're just such a screw-up. Has anybody ever felt that before? Right? And here's the thing is like when you say those types of things and you see the head nods of agreement, likely it's because we're going back to the power of what those words did to the inner man. Right? And there are people who have a crippled life because of the power of the words that are spoken. And so the the, the neat thing is, is we have an opportunity to be able to speak in such a way that it produces life and abundance and fullness in every arena of life. Amen? And it's because we're created in the image of God and our words have power. And so again, I'm not saying that we have the ability to create a universe by our words, but again, our words shape the nature of the world around us, and, uh, and they do more, they convey information, they have an impact. And so uh, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 6, if you want to look there, I've got several scriptures, and so if you want to be able to turn with me, you can be turning pretty quickly this morning. But Proverbs chapter 12, verse 6, I want you to understand that our words have the power to destroy and to build up. And so it's interesting, so this is words to destroy. The, the words of the wicked are, lie in wait for blood. It says, but the mouth of the upright will deliver them. So even we understand that, right? So a wicked speech is saying, hey, let's lie and wait for these people, right? Let's hurt them. Let's rob them. Let's do whatever else. It says, but the mouth of the righteous or the upright will deliver them, right? So there's an ability to produce life and health in that. Proverbs 18.21 says that our words have the power of life and death, Right? It says, this. it says death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. And so the question arises when we think about that, that life and death is in the power of the tongue. The question arises then, are we using our words? You're the only one that knows this. So are you using your words to build up people or to destroy them? Right? Are our words, are they seasoned with grace, or are they filled uh, with hate, or are they filled with love? Are they filled with bitterness, or are they filled with blessing? Are they filled with complaining, or are they filled with compliments? Are they filled with lust, or are they filled with love? Are they filled with victory, or are they filled with defeat? Right? See, all of these things in our words that we have to pay attention to the things that are coming out of our mouths. And here's the thing. What I realize for myself is that my mouth uh, often gets me in trouble. Like, I have to work really Really, really hard. And even after I work really hard, I feel like I still screw it up. And, and there's just certain moments where, again, just my, my mouth moves faster than my brain is processing. And that's not a good thing depending on the environment that you're in. And, uh, and so, again, the, the problem is, is so often in life we all know this, that you know that once something comes out of here, you can't readily take it back. Like once it is spoken, it's spoken and it has an impact in wherever, uh, whatever fashion it was spoken in. And so it's important for us to be able to, to recognize, and Proverbs talks a lot about it, about guarding the speech of our mouth. And, uh, and this is what God's desire is. God's desire is that our words would produce life. It's Proverbs chapter 10, verse 11. It says, the mouth of the righteous is a well of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. So God's desire is that the words that come out of you would be a well of life. Now, when you stop and think about a physical well, right, it's something that is replenishing. Right, now, you can overdraw on a well and, and dry the thing up. But if you think about a well that has a great source at the bottom, right at its base, and it's something that can just continue to be drawn upon, it brings refreshment, it brings life, because something I mean, without know water is life. And so it's interesting to me that he equates the word of our mouth to the well, a well of life because the ability is, is for the words that you speak and that I speak to be able to be a wellspring of life for somebody, to speak life into them, to encourage them, right? to, to see people run over. And, uh, and it's, it's just such a, a beautiful thing. And that's God's desire uh, for it. Because we understand that our words can burden somebody's spirit. Right? We see it all the time in our nation in politics that words can stir up hatred and violence. Right? And as, as they can stir up the culture right, to where there's riots and, and all kinds of things that are going on, like words can exacerbate wounds and inflict them directly, right? How many of we you know that like maybe somebody's already wounded and the things that we say can just make it worse? Sometimes the things we say can cause the wound in the first place. And so we have to pay attention to that. But what I also love about words is that they can also build up and be life-giving, Right? And so the ability to communicate through the spoken word is a unique and a powerful gift from God. And like everything else that we realize in life, we just have to learn how to steward it well. Right? So, so we have to realize that the words that we speak, the knowledge that we possess, the time that we have, the influence that we're given, all of these things, we just simply need to steward well. Right? Some of the ways that we can do this is, is simply by believing the best of the person. Right? There are a bunch of us in this room right now. Is anybody in here perfect? No, I was waiting for like that one person to raise a hand, so I'd be like, "That is awesome." Um, but like, are any of us perfect? We all know the answer to that. No. But culturally, so often, we have an expectation of perfection from everybody else around us. right? That they should drive perfect, that they should never say something wrong, uh, that they should never do something to offend me or to hurt me or whatever. And yet the reality of it is, is we are all a group of broken people who are living life in a fallen planet that are trying to seek a righteous God. (laughs) And we make mistakes. And when we make mistakes, like, we need to learn how to have grace for one another. Instead of lashing out with our words, maybe we learn to listen so that we can respond with maybe something that can help them instead of something that destroys them. Listen, most people already know what's wrong with them. They don't need us to say it. Some people are oblivious. (laughs) And maybe we need to look for a kind way to say it. (laughs) But here's the thing is is even in that part because we laugh about you're thinking, I'll be that person. Just make sure that whoever it is that you're going to talk to that's oblivious knows how much you care before you talk to them. Because if you don't care for them, if you're not invested in their life, all they're going to see it at is is criticism. That's what they're going to view it as and when somebody hears criticism or they think that somebody's just being cynical towards them their ears are going to turn off but if you have an actual investment in their life and you care about their outcome your words will find a way to the deeper places and they'll have a greater impact amen and so that's why it's important for us to love one another that's why it's important for us to serve one another because the the loving and the serving and the kindness and the compassion and the grace that's demonstrated now comes into an environment that when correction or when instruction or when something needs to be addressed what it does is it now allows for those words to be able to to penetrate a little bit deeper because they know that they can trust you with their heart amen all right we still good this morning a little quiet in here you're like i don't want to talk about words today okay i'm preaching so we're still talking about it So again, that the ability to communicate through the spoken word, it's, just, it's a unique and a powerful gift. It's, it's from the Lord. We just have to steward it. And this is why, so God instructs us in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, and all of these are in the notes, by the way. Uh, but it says this. It says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification is to build up that it may impart grace to the hearer. So God says the intention, right, in the book of Ephesians, the intention of our word, first he is saying, hey, put a watch over your mouth. Let no corrupt communication proceed from your mouth. And we're going to look at that here in a second as to why, why that's important But the the thing is, is is God wants us to speak words that build up. He wants us to speak words that encourage. He says that it may impart grace to the hearer. Grace is not something that just simply that you do before you eat a meal. Grace is the divine enablement of the Spirit of God for you to be able to do what you can't do on your own. Right? It's the anointing of the Spirit. So when we speak, what God is saying is the words and the power that they carry, what he desires and intends is for that word to be sown into somebody else. And that word sown into somebody else unlocks the potential and the, and the, and the power in the life that God has destined for that person. To be able to build them up, to encourage them, to help them to see what's possible. But if I do the opposite of that, right, I can just be antagonistic to somebody. I can just point out all their flaws, all of their mistakes. And what is it going to do? It's going to cause that person to become disconnected in life. It's going to cause that person to withdraw, And so this morning, if we can learn the power of our speech, the power of the encouragement, and to be able to speak into uh, into their lives what God has placed in us to be able to speak to them, it will build them up and encourage them. And what I love is the faith that arises in those moments because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's Romans 10, 17. So as they hear the words of faith being spoke over them, the goodness of God's being over them, being spoken over them, what happens is is faith begins to arise. And when faith begins to arise, the Holy Spirit partners with that and it launches them into their destiny. And so here's the cool thing, is imagine what it would look like in our families. Imagine what it would look like in our community if we all chose to be people who spoke in such a, such a unique and a powerful way that like destinies of people are just unlocked in, a, in a, just a powerful way across the board. Not just one person or a few people here and there, but every single person, because of their God-given identity, the word of the Lord has spoken over them and encouraged and reinforced and encouraged and reinforced. Imagine what would look different. How many people could be impacted? How many people would be served? How many families would be changed? How many people would be captured in the next generation that would actually believe the good things that were said about them? Think of the ripple effect of what that could look like in the earth. And it could be powerful. And what that is, I talked about it last week, of how in our lives that we're not, God's not called us to be perfect, But it's about us being able to crucify our flesh. And and obviously for for me, what I've learned in my own life is I've got to crucify the speech that comes out of my mouth. right? And I've got to renew my mind. But the whole thing is it's about bringing our lives into alignment with the kingdom of God. Bringing our lives into alignment with what he desires. With what his purposes are and his ways. And it's just, once we do that, it's going to be such a powerful thing. And so in in this, the gracious nature of words build us up and, and encourage us. And on the other hand, again, we've all felt the injury of words before as well. And so maybe it's the criticism of a parent, the close friend, the harsh word of a coach or an instructor. You know, I actually walked on into Mexico State for football just because one of my high school coaches said I couldn't make D1. And so I legit, just with a chip on my shoulder, I went and tried out and made the team just so I could prove that I made D1. I didn't want to keep playing football, so I didn't continue because it hurt. Listen, some of them dudes are so big, it's like getting hit by a small car every play. Like, when you're not that big, like, you're maybe 185, 190 pounds, and you've got a 360-pound lineman that runs as fast as you, ain't no wisdom in that. It hurts. <laughs> Just want to throw that out there. But it's interesting because, again, those words have power, in, and so the, the sharpness of those words can so often negatively affect a self, one's self-perception of their identity. And, uh, and, and so the reality that words have so much influence should cause us to give careful attention to what we say. So I'm just going to give you some basic instructions for healthy communication. Uh, The first is this, guard your speech. What we talked about a second ago in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And here's, here's the reason why. He says to guard our speech, because the words that proceed out of our mouth are a revelation of what's in our heart. If you want to know what's on the inside of somebody, just listen to what they say. You'll find out pretty quick. Jesus actually makes a statement that's recorded in Luke 6, uh, 45 and Matthew 12, 34 and 35, which says this. It says, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. Right? So whatever is in here in abundance is what's going to come out here. And so it's a good litmus test for our lives. Uh, because here's the thing. If we realize today through this message that our words are a little off and we shouldn't be saying some of the things we're saying, we don't have to be condemned by that. We recognize it, we repent of it, and we ask the Holy Spirit to help us to change our speaking. That's, that's simply how this process works. Super simple. And, and what's amazing about this is we realize, wow, Lord, I've got if, there, if there's an abundance of evil or there are things that come out of our mouth we are going, that should not come out, then inherently that stuff is evil. And we need to shift it and to change it to get it out of us. And so we ask for the help of the Holy Spirit to do so. And what does he do? He just simply begins to convict us. With my wife early on in our marriage during that season, gosh, like it was a year and a half of listening to a message on the love of God every single day, all day. And I'm not joking. I went to work at, at, uh, at 530 in the morning and I got off. Uh, my shift was 6 to 330, but I had a 30-minute drive before and after to get in there. And I'm not joking. I listened to messages on the love of God on, on a... It wasn't like an iPod or anything. We don't even have iPods anymore. Now it's just your phone. Uh, It was a mini disc player. (laughs) Any of y'all remember those? They were very short-lived, but it looked like a little CD that was about that big in this little plastic. And the mini disc player was like super thick and awkward and whatever. And it ate a lot of batteries. It didn't last as long. But I literally for a year and a half every day from 530 in the morning until 4 o'clock in the afternoon had a message on the love of God going over and over into my ear. Because I realized that I needed the word of God to change how I thought. I began to pray and ask the Lord, and I'm just giving you a practical thing. I began to pray and ask the Lord, when I'm about to say something stupid, would you please help me to recognize it? Did you know that sometimes I would recognize it the majority of the time? I didn't until like right after I said it. And it was so frustrating to me during that time where I'm like, Lord, I'm like, I am such a jerk. I don't want to be a jerk. I want to be kind. I don't want to respond harshly. Will you help? What is it in me that wants to respond harshly? And the Lord began to show me uh, things from my childhood, things that I had learned, habits I had picked up on. Um, uh, How many of y'all, like you have a toolbox, like on a truck or something like that, or in in a bin, and you're trying to pull tools out, and all of a sudden they all just like, there's like a little gnome in there that like weaves them all together so you can't just pull the tool out that you know you didn't put in the box all like woven up? What about ratchet straps? Anybody use those? Bungee cords, you didn't put them in there in a knot. It's been sitting in a bucket by itself, and all of a sudden, like, you go to pull it out, and they're all, like, twisted and knotted. and you're just like, how was that even possible? Like, it's crazy. It's a miracle. But I remember, like, some of the things I picked up on growing up, and even just anger and being, and being quick to explode in those moments was a learned behavior because I watched my dad do it. And I remember when, and I actually remember the day I was, uh, I was at uh, one of our places that we had on Spruce Avenue, and I remember I was going through my toolbox, and, uh, and it was funny because it was, it was like an exact representation of what I had seen my father do. And, uh, and I remember I, I opened the toolbox, I was trying to grab something out, it got hung up on whatever, And I did, and I actually remembered watching him do it, and I ended up doing the same thing. And I remember reaching in there, finally just ripping the tool out, and I threw it in the toolbox as hard as I could as I screamed at it. My neighbors probably thought I was nuts. But I remember that moment, and the Lord showed me that. He said, you're just simply doing what you've been taught to do. And I was like, oh. And so what's cool about it is when we ask him, he will reveal those types of things to us, and he'll teach us how to change it. He'll teach us how to guard our mouth and guard our heart so that we can, we can speak effectively. And, uh, and so through that season, I would like to tell you that I have completely matured in this area, but my wife is sitting right there, and she'll be like, liar. <laughs> Have a lot of great days, and, uh, and then there's the rest of them. <sighs> like I, I'm, I still feel like it's better than what it used to be, but I still have my moments where you just like driving the car, you're like idiots, like you know, like it just people driving crazy, and you're just thinking, I wish you would pull over, you know, like that's like, just in case y'all wondering if you ever wanted to have decals for your car, you never will from us, because when you get angry at whoever driving, I don't want them to know what church you go to. <laughs> <laughs> our vans I laugh about it I'm like we don't have the name on there I'm like there's a reason for that man because <laughs> when we accidentally cut you off or when I forget that my face says things without my words coming out I don't want you to know what church it was that did that you know like it's just real Just so why don't y'all know you're normal because good lord we're not gonna have decals good luck and if I see one on your car because you made yourself, I'm going to get a razor blade and peel it off be in church. I'll be like, where's Pastor Joel today? I'll be in the parking lot. I'll like, take it off, leave you a note, be like, do not put this back on there. <laughs> but it's just part of what it is, right? So we have to, to, to listen, you know, listen to, watch, and give attention to, to what's in our heart. And here's the thing. The things that we listen to in life, the type of things that we allow in our ears, the things that we allow before our eyes ultimately determine what's in our heart. And so if I surround myself with evil things or corrupt things, eventually what's going to find its way into my heart is those things. If I will take the time to pursue right things and good things that are wholesome, that build me up or encourage me or whatever else, those things are also going to get into my heart and we'll see the fruit of that in the way we speak and ultimately to the way that we act. Amen? So we want to guard that. Um, this one I thought was fun. Proverbs chapter 10, 19 and 20, no one to quit speaking. Um, The scriptures, this is the one that always got me growing up. It says, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. And so sometimes it's just important to know when to quit speaking. And we talked about that in our culture. Uh, We have a freedom of speech, right? Of which, again, I'm thankful for. But there is also a place for wisdom to show up uh, in that freedom and to help us to understand that we also have a right to refrain from speaking. Because there are sometimes when words are not helpful, there are sometimes when the things that we say just would be better off to not be said at all, and uh, and there's actually an example of this in, in the scripture, and it's Job. Um, he was one of those people. Job lost everything. Uh, his friends started uh, they started off well by just sitting with him, right? They came in for about a week. They just sat in silence with him, right? He was in deep grief and mourning, lost all of his wealth, his possessions, his home, his children. I mean, he was just going through the ringer. And, uh, and they just sat with him, which was really good. Uh, but eventually, his friends shifted to condemning Job. They began to point out every flaw. They began to point out all the things that they think could be wrong with him. Uh, and ultimately, they ended up in sin with their words when they began to begin to speak to Job as if they knew the reason why the things were happening to Job. And they begin to speak in the place of God. And and that's a a very scary thing uh, because at the end of the day, that's not our responsibility nor our role. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict and to lead people back to the presence of Christ. It's our job to love. Amen? Now, love doesn't mean that we necessarily approve of every wrong, but it's not necessarily at the same time our job to just go around and point out the flaws of every person. And so, again, it was simply better for Job's friend when they showed up and offered support. Uh, the third thing is use your words to build up others. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 21, it says, The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for a lack of wisdom. Proverbs ten thirty one says, The mouth of the righteous brings forth wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off or cut out. Ooh, that sounds rough. So here's the thing is, is, is use your words to build up others, right? The, the, the lips of the righteous are to feed many. It says that the mouth of the righteous is to bring forth wisdom, right? So we can actually encourage and spiritually feed others just simply by the words that we speak, and that should continue to be our desire. Now, here's the thing, is uh chapter 4, verse uh, 24 and 25, it says this, it says, And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another, that's encouraging one another, uh, and so much more as you see the day approaching. The day approaching that he's talking about is the coming and the return of the Lord. And so, again, as we sense that the times and the season, he actually says, the more that you see that day approaching, he says, the more encouraging you're going to need to be. So we're to exhort one another, to encourage one another, to build each other up, and so we're to use our words to point out the good things that we see and not just the negative. Another thing with our words is to be trustworthy. Proverbs 11, verse 13. A tell-bearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. Right? There is nothing worse to me than the one who attacks the reputation of another person through slander. I can't stand that. Uh, Through lying, things like that. And here's the thing is we have to choose to believe the best in people because every single one of us are on a journey of transformation. We're all at different places in that walk, right? God has called us into his kingdom, and, and we're, just, we're all at different places. I think one of the greatest mishaps in the church is that we have an automatic expectation that because somebody said yes to Jesus, that their life should now be perfect. It's just simply not that way. Now, if we use that imperfection as an excuse to stay the same, that's wrong. Like, we don't just say yes to Jesus so we get a get-out-of-hell-free card. We say yes to Jesus so that we might be born again and have new life, and that new life leads us into life in the kingdom of God. To learn to live from his perspective and his ways, to be sanctified and set apart, to be filled with the Spirit, to, to be filled with the fruits of the Spirit. Right? He's called us into a place of transformation But we have to remember that transformation is a process. It's the difference between being delivered out of Egypt in a day and walking through the Red Sea and spending 40 years in the wilderness. Transformation takes time. And so in that process of transformation, when somebody says something, one thing I hear a lot of in the church is about church hurt. Well, you don't know what they said to me. It is possible for people to get kingdom knowledge and yet not have wisdom to know how to use that knowledge. Where not every person's intent that said something wrong was intended to hurt you. But in our failed humanity, sometimes we say things that hurt you. We do things that hurt each other, right? And so we have to learn how to walk in the grace of the Lord, to learn how to walk in love. 1 Corinthians 13, right? Not taking into account the record of wrongs that are done to us, right? We're we're, going to be patient and kind, all these little pieces in there, we have to learn how to choose to believe the best in people. We have to choose not to just think they're out to get me, um, but to be able... And that doesn't mean you got to be best friends with everybody, because if the pattern continues, maybe it's not healthy to like hang out one-on-one all the time or whatever else, or to have them as the closest friend that you've got. But that doesn't also give us the right in the kingdom way to write people off. Because maybe they don't know their identity. Maybe they don't know who they are in Christ. Maybe that person is walking in deception. That's why the scripture says that in meekness we're to instruct those who oppose themselves there are actually people who walk and live in opposition to themselves they don't even realize it and so we're to be patient we're to be kind we're to be we're to take on the nature of the lord to be slow to anger slow to wrath amen now i feel like that's christianity like class 601 because there's some maturity to that. Because our natural tendency on the inside is to want to rise up to defend and to you know, give you my point and to tell you what I think. And right, and that's also the American way. But we have to realize that we're not called to live in the kingdom according to the American way. We're called to live the gospel of the kingdom. Where we're supposed to give up our rights and to live dead to ourselves and alive unto him. Amen? Amen. The, the next thing is just simply to be gracious. Proverbs 16, 24 says, Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul, and health to the bones. So again, our, 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 our words should be life-giving, to graciously build up others. And uh, in Colossians 4, it actually says this, four six. he says, Let your speech also be with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how you ought to answer each one. And so even with people that we don't necessarily like, uh, our words of kindness and love can make a difference. right? You may have that person at work. Gosh, they're just a pain in your ear. You know what I'm talking about? You're probably seeing that person right now. Think kindly of them in this moment, okay? But here's the thing. They're that way because something has happened to them in their life. And the reason that we walk and we're gracious to people, the reason that we walk and we're kind to people, and we look beyond what they're doing to their created value is because we don't know what they went through. How many people that you see walking around that are carrying the weight of grief? That was one of the most stark things that stuck out to me two years ago after we lost my dad, my grandpa, my grandma in five days. And you feel like your world has stopped, and you watch the rest of the world just keep on going as if there's nothing happening. How many people do we pass by every single day that are dealing with something like that? How many people do we walk by that have strained relationships at home or with siblings or parents? How many people have, have just have gone through the ringer in a ton of different things, and they look like they have it all together on the outside, but inside they're broken and hurting? And maybe it's like a spillway where all the mess in their life is right at that point of overflow on the dam, and that one moment of something dumb happening, it's like you throwing the pebble in the rock, and you get the volatility of the bulk of what they're going through, and it really actually had nothing to do with you. And the enemy goes to work and he wants to drive a wedge and cause strife and division to, to push us apart and to separate us so that we lose our impact. This is why I was talk about why kingdom mentality, living from life from the perspective of the kingdom, matters so much. Because so often what we do is now we begin to fight that person and we begin to get into conflict with them and we're talking bad about them. And how dare you? Don't talk to me like that. You never would talk to me like that. Let's go in the parking lot and fight. Right? And, and conflict begins to ensue, and things begin to happen, and yet the reality of it is, is that situation had nothing to do with you. It had everything to do whatever, with whatever else was going on in their life. And so when we're gracious, when we're kind, when, we are, when we're paying attention to those things, we can look beyond the moment. We can look beyond the harsh response to actually see the brokenness of the person. And then we pray for wisdom, and we ask the Lord to give us words to be able to speak into that situation. And instead of calling out the negative thing that they just did, I can now call out the righteousness of God and what I see the Lord doing in them. Amen? Amen. So the last thing I have on that is to choose a soft answer over harsh words. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1, and this is basically an overflow of what I was just telling you. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. This would be a good one. I had to learn this one very specifically in my home early on is that when I would share that snarky comment, that cutting comment, inevitably it would stir up more conflict in the home. And that's why he says, he says, a soft answer turns away wrath. You see this a lot too in our culture where, let's say road, road rage incidents or just stuff between people. If we could handle our emotions in that moment, have a little bit of emotional intelligence to recognize that we don't have to lash out, that it's possible to stop, to think, and to respond versus reacting. And when we do that, when we have that that soft answer, what it does is it turns away wrath because we understand that the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. And so our ultimate desire, again, is to serve him and to walk in righteousness. And so when we learn how to respond in a kind way without wrath, what we're actually doing is we're exuding the very nature of God in the earth. And it gives us the opportunity to have influence and impact on somebody else by simply guarding what we said. Because when we use harsh words or attitudes, it can create anger, bitterness in others. Uh, and Proverbs tells us, again, that, that that gentle or soft answer is what will help us to avoid that. And so the closing of my message today is just simply this. There's undoubtedly going to be times when we mess up, right? I keep sharing in mind that, like, I've not matured in all of these areas. Uh, I know today is more of a teaching than a preaching. And uh, I haven't put anybody to sleep today. Do you all know that I count every week while I preach? This is a squirrel moment. But did you all know that? Like, I won't point you out in service, but my record so far is six in one service. Awesome. The best one of those is that most people, like, I don't know how y'all do There's a few of y'all that can, like, sit there and actually close your eyes and just stare. Like, it's amazing. Like, you don't head-bomb. And so, awesome for you. Others, you got the head-bomb. I I can watch the eye crosses, which is super cool. My favorite, though, I was on that day with the six, was the head-back, full-on mouth-open. Dude. (laughs) I was waiting at some point for the snore, but it never came, and I was thinking like that would have elevated the day, but um, I just want to throw that out there. Um, (laughs) But here's the thing. In the area of our speech and in the area of our words, right, there's undoubtedly going to be times when we mess up, right? It's going to happen. We're going to say the wrong thing. We're not going to be able to take back what we said, and so what do we do in those moments? Just a little practical teaching. What do we do in those moments? The first thing that we can do is we repent. We ask the Lord to forgive us. The second thing that we do is we seek forgiveness. We go back to that person, right? If there is an issue, we call it the, 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 the Matthew 18 principle, right? If you have something against someone, if something has happened, you can go back to that person and you can just seek forgiveness. Now, here's the deal they don't have to forgive you, but that doesn't mean that you didn't repent about it and you did the right thing to go and to talk to that person. There's something about humility when you go back to a person and you humble yourself and you say, you know what, I'm sorry. But that sorry has to be coupled with a a genuine response and a genuine action to change. I think one of the times where a lot of times, how many times you have people, maybe you have people in your life that are just like all the time, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean that, oh, I'm sorry, but they just do the same thing over and over and over and over and over. You see the lack of genuineness in the apology based off of their actions. But if we're able to come back as believers with humility to say I'm sorry and it's coupled with the corresponding action that affirms the words that we spoke, there's great power to that. And the Holy Spirit goes to work and he mends relationships and, and he heals broken hearts and he brings disunity back into unity and into alignment. It's a powerful thing. So we can repent and seek forgiveness. And here's the thing. We also can renew our mind to make a change for the future so that we don't repeat the same mistakes. And so to me, knowing that our words are powerful should give us the motivation to be able to rein in our speech and to pay attention. And so if for some reason that's not enough, here's another vantage point I believe that actually should cause us to make the needed changes. And these type of ones hit me hard when I read it because, again, I have a problem with my mouth. A lot of times my mouth moves before my brain thinks, um, and I have foot and mouth disease. But Jesus actually said this, and I think it's one of those scriptures so often we skip over, and it's definitely not one that's preached very often. It's Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 and 37. Jesus said this. He says, but I say to you that for every idle word men may speak. That they will give an account of it in the day of judgment for by your words will you be justified and by your words will you be condemned that statement alone should at least put within us a heart today to go wow like i need to pay attention to what i'm saying it doesn't mean that there's no room for you to make a mistake it's not about you trying to run around and be perfect But I think that it helps to drive home the fact of how important it is for us to truly seek kingdom transformation in our lives. Because at the end of the day, we are going to receive... Listen, those that that are apart from Christ, right, that did not receive him, they're going to stand at the great white throne judgment where they're going to receive the ultimate punishment because their name was not written in the Lamb's book of life. But you have to understand something, that you and I, if we are born again, will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And we'll either gain rewards or we'll lose them We won't lose our salvation But we are going to be judged as well And so he makes that statement By your words will you be justified And by your words will you be condemned Our works, the things that we do Are like the wood, the hay, the stubble, the precious stones They're going to be put to the fire He's going to test and try our works by fire And whatever is burned up, we lose But whatever's of, of the value, right the, the, the gold, the precious stones Those types of things We'll receive rewards from him and what's beautiful about those things is those are eternal rewards that will never go away. So it's important for us to pay attention to these things. And, and so the good news, ultimately, for all of us that, that have said yes to Jesus that we have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of us, He said He would guide and lead us into all truth if we'll just simply ask Him. He'll help us to reign in any area of our speech that needs it. And he'll also instruct us through wisdom, how we should respond. How do we do life differently? And, uh, and so, again, this is just one of those areas, again, that, that's impacted my life greatly from the Scripture, and especially in the book of Proverbs, that we need to watch the power of our words because they have the power to create the world around us. Thank you for listening to the Waymaker Podcast. To simply connect, or if this message ministered to you and you would like to support the ministry, you can simply go to waymakerchurch.org.